0: For those of you that have not heard, Josh is not here tonight because Kate had the baby. Yeah. Jude Thomas, um, I would try to give the details, but I would surely get them wrong because I don't even know my kids' details. I do know uh, that it was sometime Thursday evening, and he weighed something over 10 pounds. Those are the only two things that I know. It was Thursday, right? Okay, Laura was looking at me funny, so I wasn't sure um, if I got that right. The last several months have been pretty trying for me and for my family, uh, but once i once I sit and think about it, it's on a it's been on a different scale than what it ever has before, um, but it's really uh similar to things that have happened before. Uh, how many of you, uh, I'm not gonna ask you to stand up and, and talk specifically, but how many of you in the last month or two months have thought, why did this happen to me? Anybody think that? Nothing, I, I'm gonna give you some examples for us uh, of why did this happen to me or why did this happen to us? But can you remember a time when you thought, why did this happen to me? That's what we're going to be talking about uh, tonight. If you've been around TRP for long, you've probably heard this before. Um, we, we try to say it pretty often, but we probably don't say it as often as we should. Uh, we believe that through the life, death, and resurrection of Jesus Christ, God is restoring all things. And we believe that God is inviting us into this ongoing project of restoration, to embody and enact the restoration that we have received through Jesus Christ in the world around us. Simply put, we believe that Jesus changes things. So the question, why is this happening or why is this happening to me? I've got some pictures uh, to show you. The first one, that's Rachel's mom and that's Karis. Um, this was back in January. Um, maybe, let me back up a little bit. Um, Rachel's mom, we found out about eight months ago uh, that she had gallbladder cancer. Within a week and a half, two weeks of us finding this out, uh, she had surgery to remove her gallbladder. Uh, when, they, when they did that surgery, uh, they also had to remove a large portion of her liver. They removed over half of her liver. The surgery uh, lasted much longer than expected and was much more intense, I guess is the word that I would use, than expected. That was on August 26th uh, when she had that surgery, and she was in and out of the hospital. I don't know how many times she was in and out of the hospital between uh, August 26th and uh, about a month ago. But this was um, in January. We made, um, we made an emergency trip to Columbus, Ohio, where they live, because we thought uh, that that might be the last time that we got to see her, um, and this is a picture that Rachel took. Um, I put this up here because Debbie, that's her mom, she was in pain for, I mean, she's been in pain for years, she's been in pain since I've known her. Um, but she was specifically in pain, uh, trying to recover from this surgery, um, had been for weeks. And like I said, this was, we thought, the last weekend uh, that we would get to see her. But you see, she still has a smile on her face. It's kind of funny, uh, because I think about way back nine years ago when Caden was born. And she came and stayed with us for a couple weeks um, and and helped take care of Rachel, take care of the baby, take care of me. And about five and a half months after Caden born, we found out that Tobias was on his way. And so when we called uh, and told Debbie uh, that Rachel was pregnant again, she said, are you serious? Initially, there (laughs) there wasn't excitement. There was a, oh, my gosh, I can't believe you're having another one already. But then I look at this picture and I see the i eight grandbabies now that she had, uh, so this is the eighth one, and she's uh the way that she's smiling at Karis there just uh just really tells you how much she loved her grandkids and how uh how special of a person she was. This is a picture from I believe around Christmas time um Again, she'd been in in and out of the hospital, I don't know how many times, and uh, that's Rachel's dad, Greg, uh, with her. And you can just see, and the smile that's on Debbie's face, even though all these bad things are happening, even though she had cancer, had the surgery, wasn't recovering from the surgery, was in and out of the hospital, uh, she could have said, why is this happening to me? And I'm sure at times she did. Uh, But she always had that smile on her face. I want to read something that Rachel's younger sister wrote. Um, The first part is a quote from one of her friends. It says, never forget the thrill for life, how amazing it feels to be bent over gasping for every breath that you can. Take in the midst of laughing hysterically at how funny life can be. Never forget all these amazing traits about you. The fact that you can make just about anybody laugh, that you can have a huge heart and the intentions to make as many people happy as you possibly can. That was the quote from Sarah's friend, and then Sarah said it made her think of her mom and the fact that even though she has had a rough few months, she has never lost her contagious smile and positivity. I'm so lucky to have such a strong woman in my life, and it has humbled me and changed me To be by your side and help you through all of this. At Debbie's memorial service, uh, the pastor of their church was up speaking, and he said, we wonder why bad things happen to good people. We wonder why something like this would happen to somebody like Debbie. And he said, but he thinks of it differently. And since then, I've tried to think of many things differently. He said, he thinks of it as Cancer didn't happen to Debbie. The surgery didn't happen to Debbie. The dozen or so trips to the hospital didn't happen to Debbie. But Debbie happened to cancer. And just that changing your frame of reference on how things happen can totally change the way you see everything. We think of cancer as this... I don't even know how to describe it, an evil thing that kills so many people. And when, when it happens to somebody that's close to you, the only thing you can think is, why is this happening to me? Why is this happening to my family? That's all you can think. But seeing Debbie months into it, knowing that she can't have much longer to live and seeing the smile on her face, really helps you to see the opposite side of it and see that Debbie happened to cancer, to see that even though she was going through all of this, there were nurses one after another those last couple of nights that came in to say goodbye to her. Because of that infectious smile, because of that laugh, th- laughter that she brought to them. The same thing, a lot of you know Ryan Twilly, and it, it's hard for me to get through talking about Debbie. It's, I I have basically zero chance of getting through talking about Ryan. Uh, The Restoration Project, I can't say it wouldn't be here without Ryan, uh, but he was a very integral part of the beginning. Um, He was one of the families uh, that started the Restoration Project along with uh, the Millwoods, uh, my family, and Josh and Kate. Um, He was on our lead team for however long he was with us. And If you knew Ryan, you had to think, why did this happen to him? But if you knew Ryan when it was happening, you would know that Ryan happened to cancer. Cancer didn't happen to Ryan. If you know Megan now, you would know that cancer didn't happen to that family. That family happened to cancer. Just a little change on how you look at things totally changes everything. You all know my boys, if you don't uh, be looking about 10 minutes after the service and they'll be running around acting crazy either out there with me probably yelling at them to stop uh, or they'll be saying, can we go out on the playground? And they'll be acting crazy out of the playground. This is an old picture, uh, but this kind of shows you what our house is like most of the time, um, this is them obviously being Spider-Man and jumping off the end table onto the floor and onto the couch. Uh, I I couldn't find a picture of Jackson like this that wasn't him in his underwear with a, with a <laughs> blanket tied around him. And I showed it to him, and I said, can I show this picture in church? He said, no, I don't have any clothes on. So... Um, he did pick out a picture for me to show of him. <laughs> when we're not inside and them jumping around acting crazy inside, we're outside playing baseball, um, he doesn't wear his helmet backwards, uh, he learned the right way to wear the helmet and, uh, he's no longer allowed to play baseball with a pacifier, but, um, this is what it's like around our house, but then four months ago something happened, um, to us that changed the boys. Uh, December 9th, Karis was born, and there's Tobias holding Karis. There's Caden trying to make her laugh with his goofy smiles. There's Jackson holding Karis, as happy as they can be. See, Karis happened to our family four months ago. Karis totally changed the boys. Yeah, they still run around, they still act crazy, but you also get to see that softer side of them. You get to see that side that loves their baby sister. Uh, You get to see uh, the side that five months ago hated getting up for school and now at least two days a week they're excited to get up because they get to see Karis before they go to school. Karis happened to our family and changed our family. As a now 37-year-old, I wondered what it would be like having um, a newborn, and it's pretty cool. It's um, Things are a lot different, even from almost six years ago when Jackson was born. And finally, this picture is from um, around Christmas time. In the back is Brenna, my daughter, um, and then the boys and Karis, and i show you this picture for two things. Uh, first, it's all smiles there, but there was an argument over who got to hold Karis, because they are so excited about having the baby sister. And i show you for another reason. My daughter in the back, Brenna, she's 18. She's graduating in a month and a half. And that's another thing where I say, why is this happening to me? Uh, her mom just last night sent me pictures of her uh, going to her senior prom with her boyfriend. And again, I, I sent a message, um, I don't know, to the lead team or to one of the Facebook groups that we have with, with some leaders in the church. And I said, y'all need to pray for me. And I sent them that picture uh, because I just think, how did this happen to me? How do I have a baby that's a baby, but how is my first baby now, 18, and about to be in the real world and worrying about the stuff that that we all know you have to worry about? Um, don't have to, but you worry about all the time. Um, okay, I think this next picture is the one I thought was earlier. Um, this one is, Rachel, you want to look at this one? Because Rachel and I, um, I would what 11 years ago Rachel happened to me and i could take time talking about her and and how my life is different because she happened to me um but that would uh not only embarrass her um <laughs> she's embarrassed that i'm just talking about her at all but it would uh it would take too much time uh, if i told you all the ways that Rachel has changed my life you know That question, why did this happen to me? Why does this happen to me? Why is this happening to me? It's a question that pops up in my head all the time. And I'm trying to train myself to think differently. For instance, um, Caden, he's the oldest, he's nine, he loves playing baseball. He loves baseball more than anything in this world. And this is his first year um, playing baseball where kids are pitching, so it's a little bit more serious than when a machine's pitching to you or when a coach is pitching to you. Uh, It's a little bit more serious, and he's really excited about his baseball season. So we go to Caden's first practice, and within five minutes, I'm texting Rachel and my parents and saying, oh, my goodness, we got screwed on team selection again. Again. So even with Caden playing baseball, I'm thinking, man, why did this happen to us? Now, I've watched them a little bit more, and it's a little better than I thought it was going to be. But still, that thought was in my head, why did this happen to me? I'll get in a minute, the other, in, in a minute I'll get to the other side of that and me looking at that a little bit differently. Uh, but I want to stop for a second and look at a little bit more inqu- important question then, why did this happen to me? Why did a year and a half ago I lose my job at Sears? Uh, why five years ago did I, uh, the church that I was working at no longer have funds to pay a youth pastor? Um, I, I know the answers to that question now, uh, but five years ago I was saying, why did this happen to me? Instead, I wish I had been saying, okay, I'm going to happen to this, and I'm going to make this um, whatever God has for me, which, in I mean, we wouldn't be here right now if if that hadn't happened five years ago. More important question is what happens when Jesus happens to people. You know, in the past several weeks, um, well, it's been a lot longer than several weeks, we've been looking at the Gospel of Mark, and I went As I was preparing for this, and looked at the last few weeks of topics um, just because I wanted to see what we talked about that Jesus had happened to. By the way, if you didn't know, we now have a podcast on iTunes. So if you have an iPhone, go to iTunes, subscribe to the podcast. If you miss a Sunday, you can listen to the sermon and get caught up on what you missed. Uh, So I just looked at the last, um, I don't know, a couple of months to see what happened when Jesus happened to Bartimaeus, blind Bartimaeus. What happened when Jesus happened to him? The demon-possessed boy, what happened when Jesus happened to him? See, the demon-possessed boy, he, his family, everybody around him could have said, oh me, why did this happen to me? Why is this boy possessed by a demon? But what really happened was Jesus happened to the boy. What really happened was Jesus cast out the demon. What really happened to him was Jesus. What happened to the temple when Jesus happened to the temple? I keep saying that and it sounds redundant, but when Jesus happened to the temple, when, when things were going on in the temple, when the money changers were doing things they shouldn't have do, when they were taking advantage of people, Jesus happened to the temple. Jesus went in and cleansed the temple. The disciples. You see, all throughout the New Testament, when Jesus called the disciples, when Jesus happened to the disciples, things were different. When Jesus happened to the disciples, they were no longer fishing for fish. They were fishing for men. When Jesus happened to the disciples, they followed him. Finally, death, where a few weeks passed Easter. Easter. We talked about these verses on Easter. In Mark chapter 16, I'll just start at verse one. After the Sabbath was over, Mary Magdalene, Mary, the mother of James and Salome brought spices to go and anoint the body of Jesus. Very early on Sunday morning at sunrise, they went to the tomb. On the way they said to one another, who will roll away the stone for us from the entrance to the tomb? It was a very large stone. Then they looked up and saw that the stone had already been rolled back, so they entered the tomb, where they saw a young man sitting at the right, wearing a white robe, and they were alarmed. Verse 6 says, Don't be alarmed, he said. I know you are looking for Jesus of Nazareth, who was crucified. He is not here. He has been raised. Look, here's the place where he was placed. When Jesus happened to death, death was no more. When Jesus happened to death, he overcame it. When Jesus happened to death, he brought us life. So next, what happens when Jesus happens to the church? And we can talk about this both ways, the church as the restoration project or the church as the church universal, all churches. What happens when Jesus happens to the church? When Jesus happens to the church, one thing, we work together. We work with other churches. We don't have a spirit of competition. We're not trying to outdo somebody. We're not mad when our best friend goes to a different church rather than going to our church. We work together. Uh, I have a couple of good examples of this. First is the, uh, the CBF the Cooperative Baptist Fellowship that we're a member of. Uh, The Mid-Atlantic CBF churches are diverse. Uh, This is a statement from their website. We believe we are far more effective in sharing the good news of Jesus Christ when we are able to celebrate each congregation's uniqueness while also joining together with each other, our community, and our world. When Jesus happens to the church, We work together. When Jesus happens to the church, when somebody that's different from us walks in, we welcome them. We invite them to sit by us. We treat them just like we would anybody else. When somebody thinks a little different theologically, we don't care. They love Jesus, they follow Jesus. They don't think we should drink at all. I don't care. They think it's okay to drink. I don't care. Those things aren't important. When Jesus happens to the church, we're welcoming. We don't shut out anyone. We don't tell anyone they can't come. We do what what Jesus said we love God and we love others when Jesus happens to the church. When Jesus happens to the church, Another example, the Camden Community Garden, the Corner Church Collective that we're a part of with uh, three churches uh, a little bit further down Camden. If you were here last week, uh, Martin Hutchison, the pastor of Community of Joy, Joy, spoke um, about the community garden and about how our churches have worked together. Martin loves to say that the community garden is growing more than veggies. And for the first little while... I thought, is it really, I mean, okay, that's kind of a that's, a, that's a catchy saying maybe, but is it really growing more than veggies? And then stuff really started growing. It, it was kind of funny, um, I'm friends with Martin on Facebook, and he posted a picture of asparagus, asparagus that had sprouted. I tried to combine asparagus and sprouted to asparagus or something. So he posted a picture, and he commented uh, in response to somebody that asparagus, I believe, takes two years before it grows. And so I thought that was interesting that as I was preparing for this and thinking about the garden growing more than veggies, and as we just recently found out that we're going to be able to have A feeding program for kids during the summer at the garden and it's possibly leading to even more things where our churches can work together. As I was finding this out that didn't happen immediately but happened later, I thought about that asparagus and how you plant it and then you don't get the you don't receive the bounty from that that summer or the next summer but two years later you do. And so with growing more than veggies in the garden, we may not see immediate results. We may not ever see results. But if we give it to God and allow God to do what God does, we'll see results. And we've seen results, or we've seen at least the beginning of results. A pretty cool thing, I don't know if we've posted this on Facebook or not, Uh, Susie had a call from the police commissioner, not commissioner, what's she called? Whatever she's called. Police chief, yes. Watching too many t- uh, TV shows with police commissioner in New York. Um, the police chief called Susie and said that the police officers would like to eat lunch with the kids while they're eating lunch. I mean, that's a huge step in a neighborhood, um, in any neighborhood, but a neighborhood like where uh, the Garden is. That's a huge step, and that's something that's happened because our churches uh, have worked together. Another thing that Martin says... Surely God smiles when churches work together. Now, I couldn't find um, a verse that says anything about God smiling when churches work together, but I believe uh, that Martin's right. Uh, Surely God smiles when churches work together. So when Jesus happens to the church, good things happen. When Jesus happens to the church, we work together. When Jesus happens to the church, we work together inside the church and outside of the church. I wanted to put up one picture of the garden because I thought that was a pretty cool picture that shows all of the uh, all of the veggies that are growing. And uh, yeah, if you haven't been a part of the community garden, uh, pay attention and see when we have work days and, and try to get down there and be a part of that. What happens when Jesus happens to me? Let me go back to the story about Caden and his baseball team. Uh, that's going to be a little better than I thought it was, but that first night I thought, okay, this is... This is going to be a long season. Why did this happen to us? Uh, kind of funny, I point it back at myself, and I'm the dad sitting in the stands watching, not the kid that's out there actually playing. Um, but when I turn that around, I say, what can happen? Let me Let me word this right. When I think about What happens when Jesus happens to me and if I'm modeling for Caden like I should be I will see what happens when Caden happens to his baseball team that may not win every game that may not play hard every game that may not be happy with themselves after every game hopefully when Jesus happens to me and when Jesus happens to Caden we'll see what happens when Caden happens to his baseball team so that leads me to one last question, one last thought. What happens when Jesus happens to you? I guess the first question is, has Jesus happened to you? Has Jesus changed your life? Have you let him change your life? What happens when Jesus happens to you? You know, we talked about the church. Um, I talked that kind of silly example about baseball and me and and Caden's baseball team, um, when Jesus happens to you and when Jesus happens to me, much bigger things can happen than me being an example for Caden to be an example for his baseball thing, to baseball team. When Jesus happens to you and Jesus happens to me, the stuff earlier about the church and the church happening. When Jesus happens to the church, the church happens to the community. The church becomes a reflection of Jesus to the community. There's no other way that they're going to see Jesus other than seeing us as individuals and seeing us as a collective church. So when we leave from here, think about what happens when Jesus happens to you.